0: Welcome to the Built for Playmakers podcast. I'm your host, Kelvin Hunt, editor of chopchat.com. I hope you guys are doing well. Uh, My apologies for taking so long to get this latest episode out. Been dealing with some sick kiddos this week. Um, So appreciate you guys tuning in. If this is your first time, welcome. If you've been rocking with me for a while, I appreciate you guys supporting the podcast. Um, before we um, get into uh, everything, I'm going to go ahead and shout out our sponsor, um, BetOnline.ag. That's your number one source for all betting needs and sports info and odds. Um, find all your latest sports developments, including this week's odds for the Masters Championship. I saw where uh, Tiger is uh, he's in the running. We'll see uh, how, how it shakes out. Of course, we had the start to uh, Major League Baseball this week. Um, BetOnline is your continued source for all sporting wagering needs, including live betting and for your favorite Vegas casino and poker games. It's super easy to get started. So join today. learn why everyone is saying bet online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on popular sports and games. Bet online where the game starts. How about that uh, NCAA championship game on Monday night? Talking about betting, Kansas, Kansas was a minus four betting favorite and they won by three. So if you had Kansas Uh, Minus four, my apologies to you and your wallet. Um, But going to get into uh, this is going to be a quick episode and I'll probably do another episode after the spring game. But I want to give you some quick thoughts on the spring game. And then we're going to get into the uh, some details on the Mark Krikorian situation that we spoke about on the last podcast. But I'm excited to see the um, guys get into action for the spring game on Saturday. Um, If you didn't know, it's going to be broadcast on the ACC uh, network at 5 p.m. on Saturday. So if you are not making a game, you can tune in and see everything there. Um, you know, excited for all of the recruits that are going to be on campus. You know, kind of wrote about that on Chop Chat on uh, article that I posted on Friday morning. You know, this will be the first true spring game that Mike Novell has had. Um, you know, didn't have one in 2020, and then last year they had one, but it was limited due to COVID. They didn't, you know, they didn't, didn't have an opportunity to um, meet individually with recruits. You know, recruits kind of, they came. Um, but if you remember, the at the time, the recruits were trying to organize themselves on campus. A few of the uh, commits at the time were, you know, trying to, you know, organize some things, but coaches couldn't meet with them. So this would be the first time that the coaches will be able to interact with the recruits um, during spring game weekend. And they have a lot of guys, a lot of quality. Uh, blue chip guys coming from 2023, 24, and 25. Um, And I expect them to get probably one or two commitments. Um, I'm not sure who it'll be. Um, If it'll be 23 or 24, it could be both. But I expect them to to have a productive weekend as far as recruiting um, goes. Um, but looking at the game, I, I wrote an article earlier this week as well, um, with the, you know, 12 players, you know, I was looking forward to watching. I feel like those players in particular are going to be important to, you know, uh, FSU's um, success or lack thereof, depending on how they play for the 2022 season, you know, I'm going to be looking for, I feel like you kind of know what you're going to get. With Jordan Travis, and you know what you're going to get with the running back committee from um, TreShaun Ward, you, you kind of know what Toy Philly brings. Um, you kind of know what the, the receivers that have been there before, you know what they bring to the table. I I kind of have an idea what you're going to get from Jared Verse, uh, Tatum Bethune uh, in the secondary, but there's, but there's some other guys where I'm kind of like I'm kind of just interested to see, you know, if they're going to flash or not in, in that game setting. Um, of course, one, one player in particular that will be really important will be Tate Rudemaker. You know, we've, we've heard about the progress he's made, you know, can he, can he take the, um, can he take his game from the practice course to the actual course? You know, like we were talking about golf, you know, sometimes you're really good on the range, but you just can't get it to work on the actual golf course. So we'll, we'll see how he performs. I'm also looking for Malik McLean. Hopefully McLean can take that next step as a receiver in the sophomore year. You know, had a decent year as a a freshman last year. Um, So I'm going to be looking for him. Of course, Trey Benson. You know, one of the most controversial takes from the transfer portal, but uh, (laughs) it seems to be a trend with Mike Novell. It's like people look for things to criticize. And then it's like, oh, well, maybe I shouldn't have jumped, jumped the gun. And I'll tell you, I was one of those, I wasn't really critical, but I was more so like, eh, I don't know about this one, you know, but I'm going to trust that they did their due diligence uh, on Trey Benson. And, and it looks like, you know, they did. And it looks like he's going to be a player for them. So I'm, I'm inter- interested to see, you know, if he has that, 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 that gear to get to the second level of the defense and um, how he performs in the open field. A player I'm really looking forward to on offense is Johnny Wilson. You know he he seems to be a a bust product, really similar to Kelvin Benjamin. Not only in your uh, you know size, so to speak, but if you remember, you know Benjamin redshirted that freshman year. Then he he played as a redshirt freshman, and he was pretty productive. He was like I think he had 30 receptions for 495 and four touchdowns, and you know he was really. Uh, inconsistent, but I think if you said, man, if you got thirty receptions for five hundred yards and, and and four or five touchdowns from Johnny Wilson, you you would take that right now. But we know what Benjamin became that that uh, that red shirt uh, uh, was it sophomore year. You know he was unbelievable with uh, fifty four catches and over a thousand yards and fifteen touchdowns. So I'm um, curious to see how Wilson looks out there. You know if he if he wins the contested. Um, you know, fifty-fifty balls. You know, if he's a threat in the red zone and uh, and things like that. And um, of course, on defense, I'm going to be looking for Renardo Green to see how he performs over there. The field cornerback position, where you know, vacated by Jarvis Brownlee. You know, how is he going to look in coverage? And how is he going to look coming downhill against the run? Um, I'm going to be looking for Derek McClendon. Mcclendon. I don't know why I want to call him McClendon for, but Derek McLendon. Um, I told you he's probably going to be my sleeper. I want to see if he has that burst off the edge and, um, you know, how he does in the run game as well. Then, of course, uh, go back to the secondary. We're going to have uh, Greedy Vance and DeMory Tate. Uh, I'm going to be looking for those two guys. Uh, more so, uh, I, 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 I have an idea what Greedy Vance will bring to the table. It's just a matter of where you're going to put him. Is it going to be at nickel? Is it going to be at field corner? The Tate, though, you know, the highest rated recruit in the uh, 2020 class, you know, he's seemed to be emerging a little bit. So um, I'm interested to see what he looks like in the actual game. If they can get anything from him this year, man, that would be huge for the FSU secondary. And then, of course, you know, go back to defensive end going to be looking uh, for Patrick Payton. Um, I saw where he he flashed at practice the other day. It was more so a blown assignment, but, you know, he took advantage of a situation and, and and made a tackle for a loss there at practice. Um, but, you know, is he going to have that burst off the, off the edge? You know, how does he hold up against the run? And, um, you know, if he can emerge, that would be another great sign for the FSU defense. And then, of course, lastly, uh, Azariah Thomas, a freshman who I've been, you know, I've been on for quite some time. I, I still believe he he'll probably wind up being a starter at some point this year. Um, I'm looking to see, you know, how he does when when people people are watching, and um, you know, how is he going to do as far as coverage, as far as uh, the run game. Uh, just want to you know, just want to see him in action. So, um, really, really looking forward to him. And then of course we, we're talking about special teams. Some special teams will probably not be live. So I'm sure but I'm sure as far as like punt returns and kickoff returns, but I'm sure we'll probably see some punting and, and maybe some field goals. Maybe they'll create create some opportunities there. So if they can get some and which and Master Mano was consistent pretty much as a punter last year, averaged nearly 43 yards per punt. But hopefully, we can see a little more progression from him and, and get that average up a little bit more, a little bit more hang time. You know, he could be a weapon in, in the special teams game. And, and he was a few times last year. He's a boom of punts a few times last year. Then, of course, Ryan Fitzgerald, uh, who, who wasn't terrible last year, you know, he was 10 of 13, uh, but he was only 37 of 40 on extra points. Um, you know, but I still never really felt comfortable, comfortable with him, you know, even if it was like a 35 or 40 yarder, you know, I kind of was like, (sighs) holding my breath, like hoping he makes it, you know, hopefully he can get to a point where, you know, he gets out there in game, you know, nine or 10 and you feel comfortable with him, you know, kicking a 44 yarder. And, you know, not worrying if he's going to miss it or not. So um, maybe they'll create some opportunities for, for him in the game to uh, to show off some progression. And then, of course, uh, the offensive line, you know, it's, I, I posted on the uh, Built for Paymakers podcast Twitter account on Thursday. And I, I was like, it's funny watching all these people overreact to the offensive line. You know, people tell, you know, saying that they suck or they're not going to be good, or the average at best, and nobody knows what the starting five is going to be. Um They're trying guys at multiple positions, and people will tell you that, you know, and they they know that a few people, few guys are out, you know, with injuries. So I'm just curious how people are forming the narrative that they suck when they know that some guys are hurt and they're trying multiple guys at multiple positions. So you don't know what the finished product is going to be. There's nearly four months between now and when the first game is played, they still have summer and they still have fall camp to go through. So I would, I would like if people would just withhold judgment on that group until, you know, we get closer to the season. Now, if we get through fall camp or halfway through fall camp and, you know, guys haven't shown any progression or they are still mixing and matching, you can't, you know see a clear you know starting five um or you you we determine that we have a starting five but there's really not you know six seven and eight you know guys coming in uh that you can depend depend on then I think you, it'll be fair to say man they suck or you know this you know they're probably not going to be very good um so right, right now it's a long time before games are played and you know I just think it's uh it's smart to just wait and see how everything shakes out. We've got a long time before the game starts. Um, so, uh, yeah, so I'll probably uh, do another podcast on Sunday, you know, just uh, giving some thoughts about what we saw, uh, about some of the players that we uh, just spoke about, you know, just seeing how they played. And, of course, um, if we get any commits um, from players that are uh, there over the weekend, we'll probably discuss those as well. Um, but next, I want to go into the uh, Mark Krikorian situation. So I want to give a shout out to Chris Nee from Nose 247, who um, wrote a piece um, basically giving a lot of details on the um, negotiations between uh, Mark Krikorian and FSU. And of course, in true FSU fashion, a lot of fans just jumped to conclusions once the news came out that. Uh, Kikorian was going to leave the program and, you know, it, you know, it ranged from, oh, we don't have enough money to pay him or, uh, we don't want to pay him what he's worth and, you know, uh, just all type of, you know, assumptions really based on no facts whatsoever. Um, Kikorian put, you know, in his statement that it wasn't about money, but, it really is about money. And um I you know, you can go to nose247 and read the uh, entire piece that Christney wrote and it, like I said it gives the the details on the negotiations, but basically Kokorian was already the highest paid uh, women's soccer coach in the country. And um and was by the highest paid by over uh $40,000 a year. You know, so He's already the highest paid coach. And, you know, w- what we come to find out is, you know, Kakorian, you know, he wanted some more money. Um, I, well, let me let me start over. He had an issue with Michael Alford for whatever reason. And um. In the in the emails that they exchanged in the negotiations, you know, he pretty much made it clear he was going to resign whenever the offer was given to Michael Alford to be the A.D. Um, But they convinced him to to negotiate. And, of course, Alford made a more than fair contract offer to Kokorian, And then Kokorian counted offered and then FSU counted offered and just went back and forth. And basically, in my opinion, I just feel like Kokorian. Um, was trying to use the success he's had as a head coach at FSU to not necessarily exploit FSU to see how much they would be willing to pay him. Um, But for lack of a better term, that's, in my opinion, what he was trying to do. And basically it came down to Malcolm Alford, you know, looking at it from a business perspective and saying, okay, we were willing to give you what I feel is a fair, um, Contract, You know, he still he was going to continue to be the highest paid coach in women's soccer. And one other thing that kind of came to light is in the negotiations. I mean, there was a couple things, you know, as far as like, you know, assistance or, you know, other monies to go to different people in the program, I guess, on the team. But there was really nothing in in those emails or negotiations that spoke about he was unhappy with um, facilities or or anything like that, you know, it was all really about how much money could he get or he felt like he deserved. Um, and like I said, you know, he's the best coach in women's soccer and he's won, you know, multiple national championships. And as I said on the last podcast, with, with, with that comes in your know, ego. I, you know, almost feel I, I feel entitled because I've accomplished this. But at the same time, from a business perspective, and this is kind of the way Michael Alfred looked at it. Yeah, you, you know, you're you're winning national championships and that program's elite. But again, at the end of the day, that sport does not generate um, a profit. So knowing that, you know, I'm going to give you what I feel is a fair offer. You're going to be the highest paid coach basically take it or leave it and Kokorian decided that, you know, he was going to leave. And so, you know, I know we had some of the um, players on the team that came out before, before this information came out, you know, the, the players were like, you know, they stand with coach Kokorian, And, but at the same time, what we have to remember is Kokorian. you know, when he spoke to his players. I'm sure, you know, he, he shared with them what he wanted them to know and knowing that, Um, he needed to put himself in a good light and knowing that they would probably trust him because he was their coach. Um, But I think if you, um, if you were to get all the players in a room and, and say, Hey, this is what transpired. You know, he was going to be given this amount of money. He, you know, he, it was more than anyone else is making. I think the players would understand like, okay, yeah, you know, that was a fair offer, you know, if they have been honest. And so, you know, I think this is a, a also a, a telling sign that I know some people worried about um, uh, FSU softball coach you know, Lonnie Almeida, and I think Alfred's offer to Kokorian was a, was a fair offer. So I feel like you can kind of you know extrapolate and say, okay, when it when it comes time for Lonnie, Lonnie's a, a national champion, you know, coach. I feel like, you know, he's going to make, you know, her a fair offer. I know a lot of people are like, oh, man, they're taking the money away from all the other sports and just giving it all to football. But, you know, that offer to Kikorian, um was was more than fair. And and also the um, facilities that they needed to be. Uh, needed to be upgraded, you know, that those things are in process. And I know they're putting up the new scoreboard now. And I think the uh, renovations to the field are going to take place pretty soon. So, you know, they are. Yes, I think football you know, It's been communicated. The football is number one It's going to be priority. But, you know, it's not like they have just cut everything from, you know, a team or program like the soccer program, which, you know, doesn't generate money. And to, you know, just divert it all to football. So those people that are fearing that that's going to be the case, I think you can look at these contract negotiations with Corey and and feel that um, Alfred is still going to be fair to those coaches that have proven to be uh, able to operate their programs at an elite level. Um, So Lonnie will be one of those. Um, I know that um, FSU just lost a uh, assistant coach to Missouri. And he got a deal for three years and one point one point eight million dollars. And so I don't know where where those negotiations were or if FSU even negotiated with the CY. But, you know, at the end of the day, it has to make sense for, you know, FSU when it comes to spending money. Um, They're not broke. But at the same time, you know, you you don't want to overpay a coach whenever you could probably get, you know, a a similar coach for uh, less money, you know? And then when it comes to, um, to soccer, some people say, well, you can't get another Kikorian. You can't. But at the same time, if Kikorian, like I said before, if they went out and won, you know, three national championships in a row, I mean, it's great for FSU fans to brag about, but nobody cares about it except those FSU soccer fans. And those are, those are relatively known number uh, compared to, Football and basketball and other you know other programs like that it, you know it's uh it's it's not fair to those those um, young women they they are elite and they go out there and put it on the line but uh, it's just in the nature of the beast as I said before so uh, it is a business and it the way Alfred has handled this makes me feel confident that again football is going to be number one but at the same time these other uh, non-revenue uh, generating sports will be um, treated fairly and not just, you know, basically just cut off um, and everything funneled to uh, the football program for those of you that are, that are worried about that. So, um, you know, just want to address that. Like I said, I didn't want to um, hold you too long. I know that um, uh, the the spring game is tomorrow and I didn't want to just get on here and talk about a whole bunch of stuff uh, regarding the spring game that, uh, would be outdated by the time you heard it or by the time you watched the spring game on Saturday so um, just gonna cut it there just wanted to touch on that Kakorian piece since it came out but um, I appreciate you guys tuning in again i'll, I'll definitely try to um, record something uh, on Sunday after the uh, spring game get gets done on uh, Saturday and um if you haven't had a chance, if this is your first time listening, um, please uh, go to uh, whichever uh, platform that you uh, listen on, whether it's um, Apple, Spotify, uh, leave a uh, five star review. If you felt entertained or you got some information um, or you just enjoyed the podcast, I really would appreciate it. Um, we are uh, last I looked at like 28 five star subscriptions. So if we could our uh, reviews, excuse me, if we could get that up uh, over 30, I uh, would really appreciate it. Um, Share this on uh, social media. Um, I know there's a lot of FSU podcasts out there, but, um, you know, I just try to present a different voice of opinion and um, I try to be fair. You know, Um, there's two sides or three sides to every story, as my man Joe Budden would say. And um, yeah. So with that said, uh, we'll talk to you guys soon and go nose.